Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. This weekend we are uh, coming to a part of this series that I've been looking forward to. Uh, two weeks ago we talked about the way of the fool. Last week, we kind of built a bridge between the way of the fool, and this weekend, we're talking about the behaviors of the wise, the behaviors of the wise. Now, uh, this was a little bit of a crazy week. Uh, We had our pastor's conference in Dallas, uh, 4,000 pastors from all over the world in town in Dallas, and so it's a a pretty crazy week, so I I wasn't able to get your uh, fill-in-the-blank notes. There's still some really strong one-liners in this message, and so if you, if you get frustrated because you can't keep up, don't tune out. Just go back and listen to it and slow it down and write them down because there are some really strong one-liners in this message. I just wasn't able to get them uh, to the printing company in time with what went on this week. And let me just kind of calibrate your thinking a little bit. This message is a leadership message, all right? So if you are... are called as a leader, if you feel like you're a leader, and if you aren't aware of this fact, every follower of Jesus Christ is called to be a leader, just letting the cat out of the bag, okay? I know we call ourselves followers, and we are called followers, but in God's kingdom, followers are called to be leaders. We follow the capital L leader, and every single one of us, no matter what we do in this life, we are called to lead, to expand the boundaries of God's kingdom. And the week of the pastor's conference, uh, things kind of go the same way for me every year, where I grew up at Gateway in Dallas. Uh, I've told you before, I was 21 when I got hired there. The church was, you know, 60, 70 people. Now it's about 35, 36,000, and just an amazing work God has done there. But every year at the pastor's conference, uh, I, I sit down with a lot of pastors from churches all over, and they, I know this, they don't really care about me, they just want to know what I've learned over the last 20 years watching Gateway go from nothing to something so big, and so I, I tell a lot of stories, and, and I share a lot of the things that I've learned over the last 20 years having a front row seat, and it kind of dawned on me, uh, these are some of the most valuable things I own, the lessons that I've learned, and the same is said of you. Some of the most valuable things you own in life are the lessons God has taught you through some difficult seasons in life. And so I want to share some of these things, and they're all attached to the book of Proverbs. I want to walk you through these five behaviors. So take really good notes, especially if you are an emerging leader, a younger leader, you really need to take good notes because you, you have a lot of time on the horizon, and the sooner we can learn Godly wisdom, the better things will go in the long run, so take great notes, all right? Here's the first behavior Scripture says. This is not in any order, but the first behavior we're going to talk about that the Bible says wise people are really good at. Point number one, the Bible says wise people are quiet. Wise people are quiet. One of the things I have learned in leadership is the person who talks the most is never the person who knows the most. But have you ever, have you ever just kind of watched the person who talks the most? They kind of think they're the one that knows the most, you know? But I, time and time again, I have been reminded of this truth. The person who talks the most is never the person who knows the most. 
Listen to the way Proverbs says it in chapter 17, verse 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Everybody thinks you're an expert until you open up your mouth and prove otherwise. Here's the best way I can kind of describe it, the way I've learned. It's kind of like baseball. Talking is like baseball in this way. The more you talk, the lower your batting average. The less you talk, the higher your batting average. In our elders uh, group in Dallas, one of my dearest friends in his late 60s, uh, he never talks in the elders meetings. And there are people who talk constantly in the elders meetings. And I've learned the people who talk the most are rarely listened to the most because there's just too many words coming out of their mouth. But then my friend who never talks, something funny happens every time he goes to speak. It's like everybody leans in and treats him like E.F. Hutton, okay? Why? Because his words are more valuable because he saves them more. Let me say it like this. When you've learned the habit of silence, you have learned the value of words. If I gave to one of my children one of my credit cards and I said to them, hey, use this whenever you need it. And let's say my daughter Riley took the card and maxed out the card that has a $20,000 credit limit. What would we call Riley? Well, I would call her a few things I can't tell you on this stage probably, but what would we say about Riley if she did that? Here's what we'd say. She doesn't understand the value of money. Okay, then what do we call an adult who talks way too much? An adult who does not understand the value of words. Just let that sink in for a second if you're a little bit chatty Cathy, okay? Words are powerful, and when we use too many of them, we are cheapening the value of them. Proverbs 10, verse 19 says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible, Preston, and keep your mouth shut. It's great advice right there. And here's one of the things that I learned growing up in such an incredible room filled with some of the best leaders in the body of Christ. I didn't have a vote, and I didn't have a voice. And here's what I learned. The best time to speak is after you hear God speak. Listen, I think some of us have convinced ourselves that our perspective and our wisdom is, is more impressive than it actually is. People don't need my opinion, perspective, wisdom. You know what they need? They need to hear God speak through me. And some of the most powerful moments when I've opened my mouth have come after hearing God speak first. Listen, we need to get better as followers of Jesus Christ as those who wait to speak until spoken to. And I'm not talking about by the CEO in the room at the table. I'm talking about the God of the universe. We need to be known as people who speak only after we hear God speak first. A wise person is quiet. A wise person doesn't have few words. They simply know how and when to use them. Here's the second thing the Bible says about the wise and their behavior. It says, wise people are humble. 
Wise people are humble. Proverbs 11, verse 2. Pride leads to disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Humility and wisdom go hand in hand. Wisdom and humility go hand in hand. When you walk in humility, you will walk in wisdom. Now, what's the big deal about not walking in humility? It's very simple. I'd say it like this. When I'm not humble, I can't get help. When I'm not humble, I can't get help. And when I don't get help, I always get hurt. We have got to get better at humbling ourselves so that we can get the help that we need. I I have said many times that humility was one of the the things I struggled most with in my early years in ministry. I mean, I was jacked up, jacked up, okay? I mean, I, I was a young kid in ministry, sitting down with Pastor Robert, and, and I said some of the most ridiculous things on the planet. I remember one time he sat me down. The church was still really small, and he said, I'm hiring an executive pastor for student ministry who is going to be your boss. I was the youth pastor at the time. I thought that should be my job. So I, I had an attitude about it. And here's what I said to him. Well, I sure hope that this guy is one of the three best youth pastors in America because I just can't see myself learning from anybody but them. Can you even believe you go to church here? Like, who talks like that? Who, who says something that foolish? I'll tell you who talks like that. An incredibly insecure man who was deathly afraid of being found out that he had no idea what he was doing. I had 75 kids in the youth ministry, max. What was my mouth doing running itself, talking about, well, I can only learn from three of the best youth pastors in America. He should have fired me on the spot. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, right? How many of you are grateful for that verse right there? Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I have needed to leverage that in a moment where I should have been fired. One of the things, though, that, that I really struggled with was I felt like I was called to lead, I was called to do all these things, and, and here's one of the things I had as a problem that I see consistently with younger leaders who feel called to do big things. They're always in a hurry. They're always in a hurry. And here's what I would say to any young leader who feels called but is trying to rush God's timeline. Go back and read how the Israelites walked around the wilderness. The Bible says when the cloud would move, the Israelites would pack up and follow it. In other words, they only moved when God did. Okay, listen. One of the greatest evidences of humility for a leader is a willingness to wait your turn. A willingness to wait. Now, I'm going to read you a verse that the Lord used to really knock me down a bunch of pegs in my early 20s. Proverbs 25, verse 7 It is better to wait for an invitation to the head table than to be sent away in public disgrace. This verse is one of the most important verses in my life because I was in such a hurry to get to the head table and there were several times where I literally, in immaturity and ignorance, pulled up a chair at the head table and was publicly disgraced. I'll tell you one such moment. I remember the first time uh, Gateway in Dallas was still small and Pastor Robert was preaching somewhere else and it was the first time he left me in charge over the services. 
And so I had to do oversight, and Pastor Jimmy Evans, at the time an apostolic elder, the apostolic elder of Gateway Church, he was preaching for us. And so back then we used to sit on the stage, and when I found out that it was communion weekend, and I was doing oversight, and Pastor Jimmy was in town, and Robert had just told me he was bringing another guy to be my boss, and I was mad about it, and I was as arrogant and ignorant as all get out. So here's what I said to the Lord. It's communion weekend. I'm about to hit a grand slam this weekend. I mean, this is just sitting on a tee. This is a low-hanging fruit, God. Jimmy Evans is here this weekend. He is going to walk away from this service talking about how I did communion this weekend. Again, can you even believe you go to church here? I'm literally saying to the Lord, I- I'm going to just kill this communion. It's so ridiculous. So sitting on the stage, I'll never forget it. I've got the cup, I've got the bread, and I walk towards the center of the stage to lead the church in communion in the first of several services. Jimmy's sitting on the stage. And I kid you not, I stood up to walk from the chair to the middle, and in between those two places, my mind became like mush. I still, to this day, believe it was a spirit of, of a little bit of crazy, number one, <laughs> but confusion for sure. And so I, I stood up, and I start, you know, giving the walk up to communion, and while I'm doing it, I'm having a conversation in my own head, and here's what I'm saying to myself. Oh, shoot. Which one comes first? The bread or the cup? The cup or the bread? The bread or the cup? The cup or the bread? Which one comes first? And now I've got to make a decision, okay? Because the, the, the walk-up is done, and so i got to just pick one. So which one do you think I pick? The cup. We all know the bread comes first. <laughs> Except for this fool in that moment who I'm convinced God put his hands over my head and went, ha, 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 watch this one. <laughs> and so I, I am blessing the cup, okay, in front of the whole church. Pastor Jimmy's on the stage, and it dawns on me. The bread was supposed to go first. So here's the new conversation I'm literally having with myself in my head. Okay, I am pretty sure this is a really sharp church theologically. They know the bread goes first. They know I screwed up. So they probably took the bread first and not the cup because they know they're supposed to take the bread first. So I'm going to bless the cup again. <laughs> and, and so I did. <laughs> and about halfway through blessing the cup again, I notice that everyone is getting ready to take the bread because they've already taken the cup. And now what do you do? You just go down with the ship like a fool. <laughs> so I had everyone stand, and I, I'll never forget, I turned around to go walk next to Pastor Jimmy, and I will never forget the look on his face. He was in utter disbelief. Needless to say, he still to this day talks about what I did in communion that day. <laughs> I got what I wanted. But when I got it, I didn't want what I got. But it is, isn't it amazing? I pulled up a chair, a seat at the head table because I thought, just because eventually I feel called to that table, that I should sit there right then. And here's what God did. In his mercy and grace, he pulled the chair out from beneath me. And he let me fall on my behind in front of everybody. Why? Because he wanted to embarrass me? No. Because I needed to learn how dangerous pride was. 
Listen, here is why pride is so dangerous. Because it sees God as a competitor. God has no rivals. When I walk in pride, it becomes easy to be convinced that I don't need him to do what I'm doing. But when we walk in humility, isn't it amazing that God's word says, I will exalt those people. I will lift those people up who walk in humility. Why? Because wise people walk in humility. Here's the third thing the wise do. The wise are teachable, the Bible says. The wise are teachable. Proverbs 13, verse 10. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Okay, let's just think about this as followers of Jesus Christ. Everywhere Jesus went, he taught. Do you not think he was trying to make a little bit of a statement? Like, hey, this is what my followers do. They learn. I don't know if you know this, but the word disciple means learner. That as a follower of Christ, I am called to be a learner constantly. Jesus taught everywhere he went. Okay, so if Jesus is known for being the teacher, his followers better be known as being teachable. But see, I think a lot of us are afraid to be teachable because it looks bad. See, we think you're either the teacher or you're teachable. That is so untrue. The best teachers I know are some of the most teachable people I know. The worst teachers I know are the ones who think they know it all, and there's nothing more to learn. Listen, a teacher like that can't teach me very much because I don't want to know what they know. I don't want their knowledge. I want wisdom. And wisdom is constantly growing. Knowledge has a ceiling. Okay, listen. We need to be teachable. Let me show you just really quickly four marks of a teachable spirit. Because this is something, especially for, for the younger people, I want you to understand this is something that can open incredible doors for you in life and leadership. All right? Let me give you four marks of a teachable spirit. Here's the first one. A teachable spirit, a teachable person, admits they don't know. The first mark of a teachable spirit, you admit you don't know. Why is it that when my wife and I are driving somewhere I've never been, and she says to me, do you know where you're going? I take it to mean that she is calling me an utter foolish failure in life. And so something comes on me, and I respond with this tone like, of course I know where I'm going, woman. Why? Because there's something deep down, an insecurity, that I'm afraid to admit I don't know. Okay, listen. The wisest people you will ever meet are the fastest to admit they don't know when they don't know. It is not a sign of weakness to admit you don't know. It's actually a sign of wisdom. The first mark of a teachable person is you admit when you don't know. The second mark of a teachable spirit, asking questions. Someone who's teachable asks a lot of questions. A question is one of the most powerful things on earth. We don't use them enough. We're far too busy making statements when God created us to ask questions. A teachable person asks questions. Third mark of a teachable spirit, answers excite them. When they find an answer they've been searching for, they run around like a giddy schoolgirl, a giddy schoolboy. I, I found it. I found the answer. That's how you treat wisdom. 
When you find it, you treat it like the pearl that it is. And then here's the fourth one and probably the most important. A teachable person applies immediately. They apply everything they learn immediately. Remember we talked last week, a spiritually mature person is not someone who knows the Bible. A spiritually mature person is someone who applies the Bible. A teachable person applies truth immediately. Here's one of the big things I've learned, that the most teachable people I know are most liked by the wisest people I know. The most teachable people I know are most liked by the wisest people I know. Why is that the case? Because a teachable person treats everything you have learned as valuable. They, they treat it like the value, like, like the prize that it is. And so they want to give more of it. Let me explain it like this. If after the service, I walked up to you in the lobby and handed you a $100 bill, and your response was this, eh, thanks. Do you think you would get a dime from me after that? Let me help you out. No. But if I handed you $5, you started running around the lobby like you just won the lotto. You think you might get a couple bucks out of me? After that, you better believe it. Why? Because you appreciated what I gave you and you showed me you saw it as valuable. Okay, listen. I hear this all the time from younger leaders. How do I get a mentor? How do I get a mentor? Let me help you. Stop walking by wisdom every day of your life. Stop walking by it. You're surrounded by wisdom. We have people at this church who have spent decades following after God, who have incredible wisdom from things they learn by making mistakes and going through hard times. And every time we do meet and greet, they're all around you. Why would God give you a new mentor that you've been begging him for if he sits you next to one and you don't even talk to him? Listen. The sooner you adopt a teachable posture, the sooner God will flood your life with anointed teachers. Wise people are teachable. Here's the fourth behavior of the wise. They walk with the wise. Wise people walk with the wise. Let me show you one of the greatest overlooked promises in the scripture. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Not take a thousand tests and become wise. Not study for a thousand years and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. Look at the other side of that coin, though. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Okay. I, I believe, here, here's what Proverbs 13 is saying to us, there's such a thing as spiritual osmosis. Anybody know what osmosis is? Let the kid who got a D in science in high school explain, try and explain what osmosis is, okay? Osmosis is a molecular thing. It's when two things next to each other, one has more of something, the other has less of something, and the one with more bleeds some of what it has into the one that has less, and then they become like this, equal, okay? That, that is a, a D student's version of osmosis right there. But here's, 
Here's what this means practically and spiritually for us as followers of Jesus. If we just will walk with the wise, we will become wise. How is that even possible? If you're taking notes, write this one liner down. When you walk with the wise, their normal becomes yours. I cannot tell you how many times over the last 20 years of my life, just walking with the wise has raised the bar of my normal. I'll give you a very practical example. One of my dearest friends is in his late 60s, and he is one of our elders here in Scottsdale and in Dallas, and we've known each other for 20 years, but we've been very, very good friends for the last decade. And he, before he, he went into ministry uh, six or seven years ago, he was the president of a bank. And when he, he took the job as president of the bank, the bank at the time was 700 million in assets. By the time he left, they were about 8.4 billion in assets. Okay, he's a savant. I can hand this guy a 40-page contract and in less than 10 minutes, he can tell me where all the mistakes and issues are. He's a savant, okay? And he's one of our elders. Aren't you glad that our church is in the hands of somebody like that? Yes, okay. But here's what's happened over the last decade, especially. We'll play golf together, we'll go to breakfast together, we'll get coffee, we hang out, and he'll just be talking about what's going on in his life. So he'll start talking about retirement. Years ago, he'd start talking about different retirement vehicles. I learned more about preparing for my retirement simply by being around him. Osmosis, I was just walking with him and taking notes. I look back, I am better in business now than I ever have been before. Why? Because I've been walking with people who are really anointed in business. God's given them not just a, a great business acumen, but godly wisdom in business. And the more I've walked with them, the stronger I've gotten in that area. Why? Because when you walk with the wise, their normal becomes yours. It's a powerful principle. Now, let me, let me just say, uh, especially to the younger leaders in the room who are, are always asking, how do I get a better mentor? Okay, on this point, walk with the wise. Let me just give you two things that have taken me two decades to learn, okay? If you're going to walk with the wise, you need to do two things, all right? First, you need to walk at their pace. Walk at their pace, not yours. Here's what that means. Don't sit down with them the first time you have coffee and say, I feel like God has spoken, we're supposed to have coffee every week until you die. No, don't do that, don't do that, okay? That you will never have coffee with them again, okay? Here's what you do. If they can only meet with you twice a year, you take it and you get excited about it. People think that in the early years, I, you know, they always assume, I was just with Pastor Robert all the time, there would be a year where we'd only be together one time in a year. But I learned something. When God is involved in the mentorship process, he can do more in one time than anybody else can do in six to 12 months. So you walk at their pace. If they can only give you two times a year, you take it and you soak up every second you get with that godly wisdom. Here's the second thing, if you're gonna walk with the wise. Walk on their path, not yours. This is a big one, and it's going to be a little, little bit awkward in the beginning. Uh, when I have a rule with Pastor Robert and a few of my other heroes that I've always had, 
if they ever ask me to do something, I always say yes. If they say, hey, um, let's go to the movies, yes. And Holly and I have even had a rule, I don't have to ask her. If they ask me to do something, I don't even have to ask, because it's just yes. Hey, I gotta fly to this part of the country to speak, why don't you go with me? Yes, okay. Years ago, I was in my early 20s, I was in the middle of a counseling session. And it was going awesome, I was having a blast, God was really ministering to the person, and my phone starts ringing. And I look down and it's Pastor Robert. I said, excuse me, I have to take this call, it's Pastor Robert, and I just politely excuse myself from my office. And I go out into uh, my admin's space and, and I said, hey, what's going on? He said, hey bud, what you doing? And I said, well, I'm in a counseling appointment right now. Uh, is everything okay? Oh yeah, everything's okay. I just got the Eagles concert DVD and I want you to come over and let's watch it together. I don't really like the Eagles, but I like you. Uh, okay, let me wrap this counseling appointment up. Yeah, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, let's, let's. I, I said, how long is the, the Eagles concert DVD? Three and a half hours. <laughs> Come on over. I, we'll, we'll get something to eat and we'll watch it together. Okay. My rule, always say yes. I go to the house. I am, I am trying to stay awake through this three and a half hours. I will never forget. We got to Hotel California and he just starts bursting with excitement. Here it comes, Preston, one of the greatest songs of all time. This is one of the best guitar riffs in the history of the guitar. I was like, what would you say? I was half asleep. I watched the rest of the deal, and, and honestly, I was sitting there for three and a half hours thinking, okay, Lord, like I am enduring this nearly four-hour run of nothingness. And I know you. Like you're going to use him to ring my bell at the end of this four hours. Like, you are going to give him something from the library of heaven itself to ring my bell. We get to the end. Wasn't that great? That oh, was awesome. So good. Such incredible musicianship. All right, press, I'll see you this weekend. Do what? Like, I just sat through that. Like, where's the nugget? Where's the drop the mic moment? See you this weekend. Have a great Friday. Here's what I learned. Before you can show someone how much you love their wisdom, you have to be willing to show them how much you love them. And to this day, people look at me every time I'm around Dallas or churches that know of Gateway, and they always ask, how did you kind of become Robert Morris's firstborn spiritual son? And here's my answer because I watched the Eagles concert DVD and you didn't. <laughs> but are you catching the principle? If their wisdom is more important to you than their heart, you're treating them like a prostitute. Give me what I want, I just want your wisdom. Their wisdom is not more valuable than their heart. The wise walk with the wise. Here's the last behavior that we're going to talk about. Point number five. The wise person craves criticism. The wise person craves criticism. Proverbs 15, verse 13. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home with the wise. Okay, 
why do so many of us run away from constructive criticism? I think it's because we don't understand what it actually is. See, too many of us, especially if we struggle with insecurity, we think constructive criticism, what they're communicating to us is you're horrible, you're dumb, you don't know what you're doing. Okay, listen. If you're really gonna be wise, you need to understand what constructive criticism is and what it's like, okay? Constructive criticism is like being the driver in a car with a wise person in the passenger seat. They know where you're going, but you don't. You take a left turn and they simply say, we need to take a right turn. We made a wrong turn, we just need to, needed to go right there, okay? Are they yelling and screaming and telling you how horrible of a driver you are? No, they're simply saying, you're a good driver, I know where you're trying to go, you just made a wrong turn, go back the other way. Okay, too many of us take constructive criticism too personally. Yes, constructive criticism is slightly personal, but it is also highly profitable. Constructive criticism is so valuable. One of the best ways to improve as a leader is to get stronger in the areas of your weaknesses. And it takes having some godly, wise people around you who love you, who can say, hey, that was good. Really great job, you're growing. But let me give you just a little tweak. This would happen time and time again with me back in the early days when, when I'd oversee and I'd sit on the stage next to Pastor Robert and I would, I would say something, you know, during the ministry time and go sit back down and he, almost every time he would do this right here. He'd put his hand over his mouth and he'd go, hey, that, that was good, bud, but one part of what you said was total heresy and so let's tweak that for next time. I can get us out of this hole, but, but just know for next time, don't do it like that, okay? He was constantly giving me constructive criticism. Why? Was he trying to tear me down? Never forget this. Constructive criticism builds up. Deconstructive criticism tears down. That's how you know the difference, and they have two different tones. A person who is trying to deconstruct you is firm and strong and a little bit mean. A person who is constructively criticizing you has a sweet, gentle, loving tone because they love you too much to keep watching you do it the wrong way. A godly person who is wise craves constructive criticism. 20 years ago when I got hired in Dallas, it became very obvious to me that um, I should have been fired. Uh, I made some really big mistakes trying to learn. Uh, I stumbled a lot in pride. And there was a, a moment, kind of a breaking point for me, where I, I knew God had called me to do something. And listen, make no mistake, don't look at this and say that's a big calling. What God's called you to is just as big as what he's called me to, it's just different, okay? So I knew God had called me to something that I felt was big, but things weren't going the way I thought they should go. It was really rough. And there was a moment where what I just sensed the Lord say is, Preston, while your calling is big, it's so big, you can't pull it out off doing it your way. The only way it's going to work is if you adopt my 
ways. Okay, what is wisdom at its core? Doing things God's way. God's way always works. And here's what I would say to every person listening to this message. Your calling is huge. It is so much bigger than you can wrap your mind around. But you will never be able to pull it off doing it your way. You're going to have to get more wisdom. And here's the good news. The God of the universe has gone on record and said to you, if you need it, just ask me. I'll give it to you. But I will never be able to pull off his calling for my life without the wisdom that he alone gives. And you won't be able to pull off yours. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.